welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. and welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Um, This week is going to be a bit more informal, so it's also going to be a little bit more personal. Um, The only notes I have for this episode are from my journal, so (laughs) you know it's going to be personal. Um, Last week, I posted the audio from an Instagram live that I had done. Um, I was talking about my endometriosis diagnosis. Oh, that kind of has a ring to it. (laughs) my diagnosis and kind of the things that I was doing so far to kind of handle that, um, as well as talking about a product that I really like. But um, yeah, the grief has definitely hit me a little bit more this week. And this week has been a lot more processing and a lot more strategic planning. Um, So yeah, I wanted to just chat about that. Um, This is also still a good episode to listen to, I think even if you don't have endometriosis, because what I'm going to be talking about is um, like decision-making and advocating for yourself. So this isn't just an endometriosis talk. So I think you might still find it applicable to you. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to start with some background though. Um, You may already know this, especially if you listened to the bonus episode last week, or have you been following me? Um, So just bear with me as I repeat this. I was diagnosed with endometriosis. I thought I had it. Um, I was confirmed when I had my surgery. Um, I was confirmed sounds like a Catholic baptism. (laughs) Like I was confirmed in the church of endometriosis. Anyways, um, it was confirmed that I have endometriosis. Um, She found it on my abdomen, my uterus, um, I think near my ovary, like right behind my ovary. Um, Yeah, I think that's, oh, and my bladder and my urethra. So she was able to take out most everything except for the uh, endo on the bladder um, because it is so sensitive and she's not a specialist. So that kind of means two things. One, it will grow back. Um, There is no cure for endometriosis. There are different ways that you can approach endo but there's no way to get rid of it. So it will grow back. It's just a matter of how quickly, how intensely, depending on what I decide to do. Um, Two, that endo that's on my bladder could get worse. So if you don't know what it is, um, it's endometrial-like. It's not actually the same tissue. It's endometrial-like tissue that's found on the inside of your uterus, but that somehow spreads to the rest of your body. Like most women's health or people with vagina's health, uh, they don't really know what causes it. They have some ideas, but they're not sure why this happens, which is fantastic when you're trying to uh, research and find out more about yourself. Um, I'm obviously salty, so (laughs) get ready. Um, Yes, they don't know why this happens, um, but I it's like a lesion. Um, if you, I have eczema on my hands and I would, how I visualize the lesions. I don't know if this is true, but I envision it like, like a little eczema patch, like it's inflamed. It's kind of like sore, you know, it like, you know, it's just kind of nasty (laughs) and it's uh, not super happy when it's in there. So those might get worse because they were untreated and they also could spread and they could spread to the kidney, which is right there. They could spread anywhere, but that is like the most logical jump. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am. And so I think for me, I was so focused on having the surgery. I was so focused on getting ready. I was so focused on you know, paying for it. I was so focused on insurance. And then once I had it, I was so relieved at first that I found out that it was endometriosis. And you might be like, why were you relieved to find out that you have this chronic lifelong illness? Well, I was just so relieved that I knew what the, what the problem was and 
that I didn't have this um, painful, expensive thing done, you know, for no reason that would have been also very devastating. So when I first found out I had endo, I was like, awesome. (laughs) I'm so relieved that now I know what this is. And then now this new wave about two and a half weeks out is hitting me. Um, I met with my doctor and she was like, yeah, you have endo, which I already knew because I read the reports. Um, And she was like, but I'm worried it's going to spread if, you know, and it is going to grow back if we don't treat it somehow. And so her recommendation is to do the pill or the Marina IUD, which has hormones in it. I think there's also another IUD that has hormones as well, but I haven't actually asked her. Um, My guess is that the Kaiser has lower amounts of hormones than the Marina does and might not be enough. I'm not sure. So typically it's very common for endometriosis to be exacerbated by excess estrogen. So how this would work is one, it would lower the estrogen by using progestin, which is a synthetic form of progesterone. It's not the same as progesterone, which is, I think, a misconception a lot of people have. Um, It is synthetic. Um, There are options to take bioavailable natural progesterone, um, but those seem like they have their own bag of worms as well. Um, I don't really know too much about that from my research, but... um, And it also thins the uterine lining because you don't have a period. Um... You might have breakthrough bleeding, not the same thing as a real period because you're not ovulating. Um, so you're not shedding that lining. You're just having spotting. Um, so the blood is different and that can kind of inhibit more growth and taking away that excess estrogen can kind of cool down those lesions that are like hungry and wanting to grow <laughs> those angry, hungry lesions, hangry, if you will. So my first kind of thing I want to say is about medical advocacy. Um, So I don't know what I'm going to do yet, which actually this is the first thing I'm going to say. I am feeling so much grief about potentially going back on the pill and there is nothing wrong with being on the pill. There's nothing wrong with being on the Marina IUD, Um, but If you know me, you know, or if you've been following along at all, you know that I love my cycle. I just released um, a workbook on Amazon called Cycle Magic. That's how much I love the cycle. I work with people who have cycles in my health coaching business. I post about it. I talk about it on the podcast. I have experts on who know even more than I do about the cycle, um, I live my life by my cycle every day. I journal about what phase I'm in and what day I'm in. It's just been such a huge part of who I am, how I relate to myself and how I relate to the world around me, how I connect to my spirituality, um, the relationship I have with like the goddess and like people with menstruation everywhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of who I am. And I know that if you don't feel that way, it might kind of sound silly. Um, like most people don't love their period. So the thought of getting rid of it might be quite amazing. (laughs) Um, so that if you're feeling confused, just know, I just feel a little differently. (laughs) Um, yeah. And it's just been such a core part of who I am. Um, my mental health has improved so significantly. I mean, there are other things too, antidepressants, a lot of therapy, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of routine changes, a lot of lifestyle changes. So that could have also improved my mental health. But the immediate change I felt when getting off the pill and the connection that I had and this cyclical nature that I was able to tap into more deeply just felt so amazing. And so this idea that I might choose to willingly give that up, I could cry now, (laughs) to willingly give that up, knowing how I feel now and knowing that I would be giving that away feels so devastating. Um, And I feel very frustrated and very powerless that there's no right answer 
um, birth control. Yeah, there's negative parts too. It can lead to nutritional deficiencies. It can damage gut health and there is no cure for endometriosis. So it might mask the pain. It might slow down the spread, but it will spread or it will grow back. Um, and it might not, it might not help. Um, it, it impacts everyone differently. It also might take away the quality of life that I've worked really hard to get back. Um, so, and then the other option is I have to have a surgery more fast uh, or on a shorter timeline. I don't know how to say that. Um, like I might need another surgery again, sooner than expected. If I was to not go on the pill, I hope that made sense. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, or it could spread to other areas. Like the surgery that I had done was excision and ablation, which is cutting out and burning. <clears throat> um, and that does that is invasive. It's invasive. It's a low. It's a minimally invasive surgery. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. But it is like an invasive thing to happen to your body because. My great, 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 great grandmother did not have her cervix opened up, did not have her belly opened with robotic arms in her. <laughs> um, like that is something that our bodies are not totally used to having happen to them, being cut around in and burned in. Um, so it is invasive in that sense. Um, but also it would be more invasive to have to remove endometriosis um, from like delicate organs, right? So I could be opening myself up to something more damaging. So anyways, there is like a lot of grief and there's a lot of stress about making the right decision. But the, the I want to pivot a little bit and talk about medical advocacy. So I don't mean to shit on my doctor. I really don't. Um, she's doing the best that she can. I trusted her with the surgery. I trust her um, expertise. And also I really will always appreciate the fact that she took my period pain seriously. I've gone to so many doctors and, and not for that reason, but I have told them like what has been going on with my periods. And they were just like, Oh, interesting. Um, and then they didn't really do anything. So I even went to the ER once for having extremely heavy and painful periods and being dizzy. And the endometriosis question was never brought up. And that should have been a huge red flag. Um, and when I told my doctor about my pain and my experiences, she was like, I think you have endometriosis. We need to get on this. And um, in only, I don't know, three or four months, I was in surgery diagnosed and it most people really have to fight to be taken seriously and really have to fight for getting their laparoscopy surgery to get diagnosed so i will always be grateful that she did that for me so quickly and was so skilled to be able to recognize it um but i want to talk about informed consent because when i sat down in her office i had a lot of questions i knew i had endometriosis i knew where they had found it but I wanted to know more about what that meant. For example, did the endometriosis behind one of my ovaries, is that part of why ovulation was so painful? Um, I wanted to know more about the endometriosis on my bladder. I wanted to know what that meant exactly. I wanted to know why this is a little TMI, but why, I mean this, if you're this far, <laughs> this isn't going to be that bad. Why? why I was going to the bathroom so frequently, why I had to pee so much because I had endo on my bladder. I wanted to know how bad the endo on my bladder was. I wanted to know about all of my options possible. And all of those questions were really swept under the rug. And it's not something that I am reading into. They absolutely were swept under the rug. And here's the thing. I know that doctors and other providers their schedule is so packed. And so they are running from patient to patient and they want to make the visits probably as short as possible so they can get to everyone that they have to care for. So I do understand that and I'm not holding her personally responsible necessarily. Um, and also it's really shitty that my questions weren't taken seriously because what I went through 
was, it was minimally invasive, but it was an invasive process that hurt a lot and caused me to be out of commission for a whole week and to recover for six weeks, most likely. Um, and then I got a diagnosis that changes my like plans and, you know, like it is life-changing and I deserve to have information about that, especially because I am paying her. I do have insurance. So the amount that I'm paying her per session is lower, but I am paying to have this information given to me. I am paying her for a service. And I, I think I deserve to have all those questions asked. Was I this assertive in our session or in our um, appointment? No. <laughs> um, those are all things that kind of came to me later. And I think my advice for myself next time and for you, if you're listening, is to not be afraid of taking up space and not be afraid of being viewed as difficult. Um, and also difficult is a very gendered thing as well. Um, you know, if a man is quote unquote difficult and asking a lot of questions, it typically is more respected and more well tolerated. But when I feel like I'm asking lots of questions and lots of follow-up questions, and I'm really curious, I think that's viewed as like being difficult oftentimes. Um, so my thing is like, be, be difficult, um, ask for what you want. Um, my partner just graduated with his master's degree and the, um, one of the speakers said to be unreasonable. And she was like, by graduating today, you're being unreasonable. Um, like be unreasonable, ask for things, be difficult. And so that kind of reminds me of that. Be unreasonable. Don't make the session as short as possible or the visit as short as possible for convenience sake or because you're empathetic uh, and kind, like be unreasonable, demand that you're given the best treatment possible. This is not easy, <laughs> um, but I think part of it is internal and part of it is knowing that you're going to frustrate people and you're going to disappoint people. And this is probably one of the worst things um, that like the worst things I can possibly wrap my head around is that I'm going to disappoint someone someday. Um, or that I could, someone could possibly dislike me because of my actions, which I have control over. Um, I am a people pleaser <laughs> in recovery and I am codependent in recovery and I am an Enneagram too. So all these things really check out for me. Um, but part of that is just being grounded and saying like, I deserve this. Um, I think doing some grounding before you go in can be really helpful um, taking those slow, deep breaths and a lot of doctor's offices, they still need you to wear a mask and it might be a good idea too, because it's the doctor's office. Um, and the masks can kind of hide the fact that you're taking these really deep intentional breaths. Um, it's okay to bring something with you. That's comforting, like, um, wearing a special ring or necklace that you can kind of just touch or feel on your skin. That is a reminder to ground a crystal in your pocket that you can touch that reminds you to slow down. You could wear like a really grounding color to you, an outfit that makes you feel really sovereign and really in control and confident wearing makeup, whatever that looks like exercising before. I don't know, whatever that looks like doing that so that you can go into that situation, your most confident and grounded self. And I also recognize that there is so much emotion that goes into doctor's offices. A lot of people have trauma from themselves or loved ones. Um, a lot of people have been neglected by the medical field. So just recognizing within yourself that there are so many emotions that come with this situation. It's not your fault. If you feel emotional and this is for me too, it's not your fault. If you're not assertive in the moment, um, it can just be, instead of being like, ah, oh, you know, I was too passive. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't push for myself hard enough. No, no, no. How can you instead say like, I recognize that I don't think I was honored in there. And I recognize that it's really hard to be honored when 
in this situation. Um, being assertive is hard enough as it is and asking for what you need and carving out space for yourself is hard enough, but it's also hard when there's a power imbalance of someone who is, feels like they're not really, but feels like they're above you or an expert about yourself in a certain way. They have the power in that situation. And a good provider will recognize that power imbalance and create space for it to be a more balanced exchange because it's you that you're talking about, right? It's your body that you're talking about. It's your health. It's your decisions that matter. And it's going to affect your real life. So you get a say in this. You get to feel like a valued part of the team when it comes to your health and your wellness. And you're allowed to be a part in making decisions and you're allowed to have informed consent. So what she did was not informed consent. I technically gave consent because she said, do you want to do the Marina or birth control pills? And I was like, uh, I guess birth control. And that was it. (laughs) And she was more like, we are going to do the Marina or birth control pills. What do you want? Answer me now. And I was like, I guess pills. I haven't started yet and I haven't really made up my mind truly, but in that moment, it's not informed consent. I don't even know the type of pill that she prescribed. I don't know if it's progesterone only. I don't know the dose of the hormones. I don't know if it has estrogen in it. I have no clue. I, part of it is because I didn't ask. And part of that is because I was feeling overwhelmed. And I also had just been given a really life-changing diagnosis So again, there should have been, and she's not my therapist. She doesn't have to be um, giving space for me emotionally. Um, And she's in a position of authority over me. I was just given a huge life-changing diagnosis Um, or not life-changing necessarily, but pretty big, kind of life-changing. Yeah, maybe it is life-changing. I don't know why I'm minimizing it. (laughs) Um, she should have held space for me to be like, let me process that grief a little bit. Let me process all the things that you're telling me that it could spread to my kidneys, right? She doesn't have to walk me through or coach me through those emotions or, you know, start doing somatic EMDR therapy with me, but she should have held a bit more space. She should have held a little bit more space. Even just a few more moments of space before she launched into, all right, what do you want to do? (laughs) So that wasn't an informed consent because I'm not informed of what I'm agreeing to. Um, I'm not even really consenting to it necessarily, not yet. And she knows that I didn't want to be on birth control because of the mood mostly. Um, Yeah, so I just think that wasn't informed consent. Um, Another thing I want to say, it's kind of different, but I have said this before. I really don't like knowing my weight. It is way too easy for me to fixate on that number. And pretty much no matter what number it is, I'm not going to feel good about it um, because I have been programmed and socialized in a society where women need to be as small as possible. So when I find out that I'm a certain weight, I don't feel great. And so I've been practicing saying, um, I don't want to get weighed. I did allow myself to get weighed today because, um, I knew there was a possibility of getting medication. And so we just, I just went with it. Um, and I had just had surgery, so it felt like a little bit more important, but usually I will just say, um, I don't want to be weighed, but if I get medication, I'll be weighed. Um, cause that's one of the main reasons why you would need to be weighed so that they can accurately dose your medication based off of what you weigh. Um, and so when the nurse told me I had to get weighed, I was like, okay, sounds good. Can I please step on backwards? And she said, sure. And she was the first person to ever say this. She said, do you not want to know how much you weigh? And I said, no, I really don't. And she said, okay, when you get off, just walk straight ahead. And then I'm going to enter your weight in the computer. So just don't look for a while. And I thought that was so compassionate and so kind. Cause I've also had people be like, um, sure, I guess. Um, and like really react like as if they're very puzzled and I like, don't want to educate them about why I don't want to be weighed. And she was just so kind and so understanding. Um, but that is getting on backwards is a great way. And even if the person doesn't understand why you're doing it, 
they can intuitively guess that you probably don't want to know what you weigh. And you could also verbally say, sure, but I'm going to close my eyes or sure, but I don't want to know what I weigh. So I'm going to get on backwards. Please don't tell me. Um, and that can be so helpful. And that's a small step to take that I've been taking for the last six months or so, and, or maybe a year, I guess. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I highly recommend that. That's a great way to kind of ease into it and you can kind of protect your mental health that way. Okay. So the other part I want to talk about is decision-making. Um, so now I'm home. I have this big decision to make. Do I go on birth control or do I try and tackle this in an only holistic way where I'm eating differently, uh, moving differently and taking certain kinds of supplements? And that's a huge decision to make. And I am making it bigger than it has to be. It is a big decision. And I'm really approaching it with a lot of scarcity and fear, which is what I journaled about today. I'm feeling like it could grow back and spread to other places quickly. And it might, like, I might need to get a move on and make the decision pretty quickly. And it also doesn't need to be made today or tomorrow. <laughs> I'm allowed to take a week. I couldn't even start birth control until next week. Anyway, I could take another cycle if I really wanted to. And actually that is maybe what I'll do. Um, I want to have time to grieve the end of my cycle. Um, if that's what I choose to do. So I will be having one more period, but I would also love to have like another ovulation. I would love to have another premenstrual phase where I know it's my last one that I can really like sit with it and kind of say goodbye to it. If that's what I choose to do, I still don't know what to do. Um, but the scarcity and urgency is like, I think it's going to be like a home invader and it's going to like spread tomorrow, <laughs> um, which I, I don't know but I don't think that's how it works. I think that I do have the week or month to decide what to do and I should be okay. Um, and also I'm feeling like all decisions are unchangeable. So I'm feeling like if I go on birth control or the IUD, I have to be on it forever. <laughs> well, because I, I feel that way because that's what my doctor said. She said, um, the plan is to get on birth control now stop. If I want to have kids immediately try to have kids immediately go back on and be on it until menopause. Um, so I have this feeling like if I choose yes to birth control, then I'm choosing yes for the rest of my life. <laughs> and if I choose no, then I'm, I'm opening myself up to severe damage that is irre irreversible. So what I'm telling myself now is so I asked myself, I did the Katie Byron, Byron Katie <laughs> um, exercise of the work. Actually, um, just as a side note, I released another workbook as well. Um, it's kind of a holistic coaching workbook. So if you can't afford coaching, you can probably afford the like $18 or whatever that it is. So the Byron Katie workbook, or these like questions are also in the workbook as well. But the questions are number one, is it true? Number two, can you absolutely know that it's true? Three, how do you react when you believe that thought? Four, how would you be without that thought? So how I practice this today was one, is it true that my endometriosis is basically like a home invader? And if I wait a month and don't decide right away that my body is going to be flooded with endometriosis, let's just say it is true. Can you absolutely know that that's true? No, I can't. So then I could probably stop there, but I'll just keep going. How do you react when you believe that thought? So how I react when I believe that this is true is I feel that urgency and that scarcity and that fear. I feel a lot of pressure and it feels impossible to make a decision. And that's how I react. Who would I be without this thought? And that's kind of what I did work on today. Who I would be is someone who feels more flexible, who feels more grounded, who is giving herself space to make a decision, an informed consensual decision. I would feel like I'm rooted in my own sovereignty and I'm not worried about what other people prefer me to do. Um, 
I would be more grounded and mindful and more realistic. So the realistic truth is that I don't know if either of those things are going to work. Birth control might very well work. Food and etc. holistic health stuff might very well work. Both of them could fail. The endometriosis will grow over time either way. I will have endometriosis either way. Um, there is no cure for endometriosis. And so while that is very sad, <laughs> it is also very liberating to know that there is no right decision. And that's usually the case. There is no right decision. Well, I mean, in some cases, yes, there is a, there is like a right and wrong decision or what you should or shouldn't do, but those are usually really extreme situations for this case. There is no right. And there's no wrong. I was making all my pro and cons lists, which by the way, didn't really help me make a decision because they're pretty much equal. Um, I can make all those lists that I want. I can weigh the possible options that could happen in years to come, but there's no right or wrong option. If I go with the holistic side um, and the endometriosis grows back and does spread, that that doesn't mean that I made a wrong decision because I didn't know what would have happened otherwise. It could have happened otherwise. If I go with the birth control and I experience horrible mood swings, that's just information. I didn't necessarily make the wrong decision. And that's, that is really helpful. And the idea that it's just information, that's also very helpful, right? Like if I have a really bad reaction to it and the depression does come back and I don't feel like myself anymore, that's not a cue that I made the wrong decision. That's just information. And then I can make a new decision. I am always capable and you are always capable of making a new decision. A decision is just a response to something that's happened and you can choose any kind of response and there is no right response and there is no wrong response. And then when that, like a consequence of that actions happens, you'll make a new response and then you'll make a new response and you'll make a new response. Nothing is set in stone. There is no decision that's permanent. I can always go off the pill. I can always choose to go on later. There is no decision that I can't kind of reverse. Well, except for like getting hysterectomy. But in this case, and in a lot of cases, you can take a job that you're not sure if you should take and you can quit that job. You can go on a date with someone and you can decide you don't like them at the end. You can get in a relationship with someone and then you can break up with them. You can move to a new place. You can move to another new place. Um, you can choose to focus on a story. You can choose to take your focus away from a story. You can choose a new recipe. Uh, you can choose that you don't like that recipe and that you next time don't ever want to make that again. <laughs> there's no, there's very few choices that lock you in so permanently. Um, and so that is, that's, that's how I would be without the thoughts. Um, I also want to read you some of my affirmations. So I wrote down these affirmations and then I did um, a sequence of EFT tapping and I kind of um, coordinated these affirmations with the tapping. And then I did other self-care activities and then I would go back to tapping some self-care, go back to tapping. And that actually really, really, really helped. And I want to remember that for the future. I deserve to take the time needed to make a well-informed decision. It is my body, my life, my choice. The choice might even disappoint others and that's none of my business. So there are people who have pretty strong opinions on what I should do that aren't me. Um, one is my doctor and some people that are really close to me have really strong decisions about or opinions on what I should do. And part of my decision or part of my hesitation is knowing that what I truly want to do um, would disappoint others. And that's hard. Again, it's so hard to know that I'm going to inevitably disappoint others. And it's so hard to know that I can sit with someone being disappointed in me or disagreeing with my choice and I will be safe and I will be okay. And that they can also work through that disappointment on their own. And I don't necessarily even have to hold a lot of space for it if I don't want to. 
Um, I think part of it is I'm afraid of being blamed later. Like I'm afraid if I don't go on birth control and then what if it does spread to my kidneys? What if people who wanted me to do the other thing say like, well, I, you know, I don't have compassion for you anymore because you made the wrong decision. And that's where that right and wrong comes in. And we're not mind readers and we're not future readers probably. (laughs) Um, And we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe that's something I should put a pin in. Um, There is no right decision. Again, I will have endometriosis no matter what the decision I make will not ruin my life. I'm also allowed to look for a new doctor who does support my decisions, which I have an update on that too. No choice is forever. I can get off or on at any time. I will be okay no matter what happens. If endo spreads, we will take care of it. If I can't handle the pill, then we will come off. We being me. I don't know why that tone shifted so much. So those affirmations really, really helped. And then what I did after that was connect with my intuition. So I did a lot of somatic activities that really felt grounding and nourishing. And then I asked my higher power, which is the goddess to come to me and kind of give me some insight and help me connect with my intuition. And I also invited my grandmother who's passed to sit with me and work through that with me. Again, I got the message that there's no wrong decision when you trust your body. It's, oh, (laughs) that was one sentence. (laughs) When there's no wrong decision, when you trust your body, what is needed is a relationship to yourself. The body knows um, you already know what you want to do. Whatever you decide to do is possible. Um, Either way, it's going to take dedication and commitment Um, And this can be like a turning point for how you connect with yourself. And that was like from my intuition, but also felt like it was kind of gifted to me. So I have had painful periods and cycles and incredibly heavy periods since I first started my period. And being a certified health coach and having so many talented menstrual health experts in my network has allowed me to use food as medicine and create lifestyle changes to improve my cycle. But I still suffer every month with pain before and during my period and even pain with ovulation. And I still have a pretty heavy flow. And that is where Elix comes in. Their cycle balance tincture is actually personalized just for you. So mine all say Samantha in handwritten lettering on the side of the bottle. And they include a tailored blend of medicinal herbs to holistically support menstrual symptoms by treating the underlying imbalances. And in fact, 93% of users have reported reductions in symptoms such as cramps, heavy bleeding, mood swings, irregular cycles, bloating, fatigue, anxiety and stress, migraines, PMS, and actually many more. I have already seen an incredible decrease in my pain and even if in my flow, something I thought I would just have to live with for the rest of my life. And I've even been experiencing less fatigue and fewer mood swings. So thank goddess for that. (laughs) And if you want to try this out and take the assessment and order your first bottle, you can use the code SamanthaN20 and you can get 20% off of your first order. If you use the code SamanthaN20, you'll do this at elixhealing.com or you can just use the link in the show notes. that's something that you can do too is connect with your intuition and you don't have to be spiritual to do that you can kind of just close your eyes and just breathe a little bit and think about maybe your options of what you're trying to decide on sometimes you need time um, but sometimes also you can kind of hear that small voice telling you what it wants you to do or what it needs from you um, and usually you know what you want I think that's the biggest thing. Whenever I do tarot and tea with Brenna on Blooming Wild, um, I usually will say like, if they're asking for an advice question, I'm fine to pull tarot for that. But my first 
kind of line of advice is I think you know what you want because you took the time to come on Instagram live and ask us a question on tarot and tea um, and request that we pull cards for you. And we're probably strangers. So if you took the effort to do that, you probably already know what you want and you're hoping to either get that confirmed or maybe you're afraid of that thing that you want. And so tools, external tools like that can be so helpful. Um, but also nothing really is more helpful than that connection that we have with ourselves. And when we kind of can quiet out, what am I afraid that other people might think? Who am I trying not to disappoint? Um, what are my fears kind of saying? And if we can kind of work through that, process it, maybe doing the work, maybe tapping, maybe doing another somatic practice, maybe talking about it to someone who is truly neutral and doesn't have an invested opinion, when we can kind of clear that all aside, what's left is usually that small voice that tells us what we should be doing and what we, you know, what we really want and desire to be doing. And that can be scary. And that can be scary because I, I know that my small voice is I don't want to go on birth control, but the other voices are, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of making the wrong decision. But once we can kind of locate that small, still voice, it doesn't mean that we won't do the other decision or decisions, but it, it means at least we know what we desire and at least we know what we're leaning towards. And so we might end up having to disappoint ourselves, um, but at least knowing what we want or even working towards what we want. Perhaps an, an option for me is going on birth control for a set amount of time and really working to like completely change my lifestyle and situate myself and do a lot of research and work with someone. And then once I'm ready, I can take myself off the pill. Like that might be something that I choose to do as well. But as long as I know what my desire is, I can either find a way to make it work or I can find a way to make it work in the long term. Or at least I know what I wanted to do, even if it's not what I end up doing. <sighs> yeah. So I think I'll just end by saying some things that I'm doing um, to also be kind of hopefully ideas of what you can do. And even if you don't have endometriosis, like I just want to give these ideas because they are other ideas. They are ideas outside of maybe what I thought I had possible for myself. So I want to say before I, I list out what I'm kind of thinking about um, is that I'm very privileged. I have um, insurance and because I had to pay out of pocket for my surgery, I've reached my maximum out of pocket limit. Um, so I don't have any co-pays right now. So that's also how I'm kind of able to do this. Um, and I have a doctor who is willing to kind of help me a little bit. So, um, and I have access to all these things and I live in a place where those things are available to me. I did take some digging, um, but I'm very lucky in that way. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. So just want to acknowledge that. Um, actually I'll start with the first thing. Um, I'm utilizing Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> all of the books are almost all of the books that I was able to find recommended for endometriosis and more information about the pill and more in, in, more information about the cycle. They were all available on Kindle Unlimited. Um, and so that I have a free trial actually, but um, I think that's like $12 a month. So I was able to download, I think like five books for 12 bucks. So that's pretty cheap. Um, I also have utilized the library a lot of times. Um, if I didn't have a free trial with Kindle Unlimited, I would probably just try and check them out. The library doesn't have everything, um, but it has a lot of stuff. And for some reason, I feel like people of my generation don't utilize the library nearly enough. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but yeah, looking for resources and information that's free. Also looking on YouTube, you can find people who are doctors sharing about what they know and about science that's out there. And you can also look at people who are just people and they just are sharing what works for them. Um, I would not 
go entirely based off of what they tell you to do because they aren't professionals and they aren't knowing your story, but it can be really helpful to just see someone else go through the same thing as you and see them make decisions or see what decisions they made and how they felt about it. And it can feel like community which that's another suggestion is if you have people in your life who have gone through this, connect with them. I don't know very many people in this same situation, um, but I'm also in a Facebook community. It's like endo warriors or something. There is so many online community spaces for so many different things. You can find that community. And even though it is virtual and even though it is mostly just text posts, it can be really helpful to just see what other people are doing. Um, Reddit. (laughs) Reddit is another great place. Again, not for like scientific or medical information. I wouldn't take advice from there at all, Um, but it is really helpful to see what people are seeing and what people are saying about their experiences. Okay. So other options. Um, I'm looking into pelvic floor therapy and I was able to find a place that does take my insurance as long as I get referred by my gynecologist or by my doctor. So I asked for a referral for that. Um, there was a place in town that offers, um, hormone testing. And so I really wanted to get my hormones tested because I want to see if indeed it is excess estrogen, because if it's not, then I also want to change, like that could change how I approach things. Um, And it could also help me to detox the estrogen a little bit more efficiently, but I have to know that that's what's going on because there is the chance that it could be not enough estrogen. That's less likely, but it's possible. Um, But most places don't take insurance for hormone testing. Um, you can do some online, but those are still, they're not wildly expensive. Like they're not as expensive as surgery, (laughs) but, um, I'm still salty about that. Um, but they are like pretty pricey and they're outside of a budget of someone who is paying off surgery. Um, so I was kind of discouraged, but I was able to find a place, but it took a lot of digging and I do need a referral. So I asked for a referral and then, I was able to find a, an integrative clinic where I work. So I work at a university that has a hospital. So this is part of the hospital of where I work. Um, and I was able to ask for a referral there too. Most integrative people do not take insurance. Most acupuncturists do not take insurance. So I was just, and it took a lot of digging to find this place. It didn't pop up on search results. I had to think about, Hey, does, where I work, have anything like this. And then it took me a while to find it. So just because something doesn't pop up, doesn't mean it's not there. Um, A hospital or university hospital, or even a school, um, that's something I haven't looked into, but I don't know how that works. I know like if I want to get my hair done really cheap, I go to the beauty school. I would maybe look into see if there's um, an integrative nutrition school and an acupuncturist school to see if you could get maybe discounted sessions. Cause you're helping them practice. Of course, then you have to help them practice, but <laughs> it's probably going to be just fine. <laughs> um, and my work also offers benefits. So I have a free health coaching opportunity, which I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> cause even me who I charge very little for health coaching I don't think I would be able to afford me because of all the things that I'm paying for right now. Um, like extra expenses, I just cannot do. So the fact that I have it for free is amazing. Um, my work also offers free nutrition um, con- consultations. So not ongoing support, but I can have one session where we talk about the anti-inflammatory diet for endo specifically, and I can get some more help. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of research. I would really recommend following Allison Locke. She was on three weeks ago or a month ago. We talked about inflammation and she is one of the most knowledgeable people I know about inflammation, hormones and Chinese medicine and acupuncture and fertility. I would just recommend following her um, because she posts amazingly informational and validated. I don't know. She's good. (laughs) Um, so yeah, those are the things that I'm doing to kind of support myself. 
The things I wish I didn't do was get home. I felt devastated. I cried. Um, I was so sad. And then I launched into research that night. And then the next day, and then today, I wish I had taken a little bit more time to research and a little bit more time to like process my feelings before I launched into research. So that is maybe advice that I would give. But yeah, I know this was a little bit of a longer episode. I hope that's okay. But oops, I hope, sorry, I knocked that and I'm not going to cut it out. Um, I hope that this could have provided some support and some compassion and maybe just give you some ideas of what's next and maybe just give you some ideas of ways that you can kind of process through those feelings. Um, but no matter what you're going through, I see you and I'm sending you so much love. Um, oh, I do want to plug, um, a couple things. So bear with me. One is the creative community. I've been writing a novel and this support has been everything. Um, it's only $4 a month to join. So at sliding scale, you can pay anywhere from four to $9 for dash $9, not 49. <laughs> um, and we meet twice a month and we write for an hour. And then we also have, or do you can do anything you want to do in that hour. You don't have to write. You could draw. Um, I also provide prompts if you don't know what to work on. And then there's also a discord where we communicate in between meetings. Um, it's at currently right now it's on Wednesday evenings, but the time might change. So just kind of stay tuned for that. Um, I did publish those two workbooks I mentioned on Amazon. One of them is called cycle magic, and it is all about, learning about your cycle. Um, so it has a lot of informational content at the beginning of the workbook, and then it guides you through setting goals and intentions for every phase of your cycle. And then there's cycle tracking sheets for every single day of your cycle. I think I included like 34 pages for each cycle. So if your cycle is a little longer than that, you might have to supplement pages there, um, but you can have all of that in one handy spot. Um, and then lastly, the Embracing Wholeness Workbook. These are actually worksheets that I give my clients who are health coaching clients. So I thought it would be kind of cool to just have that available. Um, it's a lot of guided stuff. It's a lot of information. I just think it's kind of really fun and a great way to do that. Um, and lastly, I'm starting group coaching. So I wanted to make something that was really affordable. It's $50 a month and we meet four times a month. So per session, I think that's less than $12 or something. Um, and then there's also a Discord community outside of that. We already have some lovely people already signed up. Um, the schedule for June has been posted on my Instagram. So you can check that out at Ms. Samantha Nagel and it's spelled N-A-G-E-L. Ah, all right. And I think that's everything. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Empowered Spirituality. If you liked what you heard today, it would mean so much if you shared with a friend or gave it a rating or review so that it can reach even more people. If you want to connect further, perhaps you can consider joining the low-cost monthly membership for virtual new moon circles, weekly guided meditations, tarot pools, and a Discord community. You can find that at ko-fi.com slash bloomingwild, or you can visit my website, samanthanagel.com to work with me further.